Father, we bless your name for what you're about to do in this place, and thank you for your word. Thank you for who you are in us. Speak to us and through us in the magnificent name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. I want to talk from this theme before the manifestation, and this is part four of a sermon series I've been doing on the life of David. I want to look again at chapter 17 of 1 Samuel, and I only want to offer a few things, and I'll be done for the morning and pick it up again. Verse 37 offers these words. Moreover, David said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, go, and the Lord be with you. So Saul clothed David with his armor, and he put a bronze helmet on his head. He also clothed him with a coat of mail. David fastened his sword to his armor and tried to walk, for he had not tested them. And David said to Saul, I cannot walk with these, for I have not tested them. So David took them off. Look at somebody right now. Say, neighbor, before the manifestation, you have to handle the pressure. The reality is that between the promise and the potential of his coming out and God's actually manifesting it, there are a number of things that happen that bring us in line with the will of God for our lives so that God can make manifest what God wants to do. Some of you right now are on the struggle bus of life because you have not handled the pressure of what it takes to make the diamond out of your roughness. Some of you have not been able to deal with some of the factors that you've had to go through. You have not been able to handle what the fights and battles you've had to fight. And I know it's not easy because you've been going through so long, you thought by now it would happen. By now I'd have what I wanted. By now this would be better. By now my marriage would be fixed. I know it should be fixed by now. I've been a long time. By now I know I should have a better job. By now. I should have a better relationship with my children. By now, I should already be in a position. I pray, I live right, I fast. By now, I should not have to fight this same fight. I fought this fight last year. I don't plan on fighting it this year. I'm throwing my hand in because by now, I already gave God a time frame, and he's already blown the time frame. I don't understand what God's waiting on, but if he was going to do it, he would have done it by now. And the spirit of the by now is the spirit of the flesh that tells you that you get to set the timetable for heaven. Whenever you get a by now spirit, it means that you have now told God that if you don't do it by now, then I will not trust you any longer because you can't be God because you couldn't do it by now. Because, see, if you were really God, the by now would have already taken place and I would already be where I want to be by now. Because since you do have a plan for my life, you did say you had thoughts and plans about me, then by now I should be able to see some inkling that it would be happening. But since I can't see anything by now, then I'm about to give up right now. 
And the tragedy of the human experience is that you think that you become God's judge as to how God ought to do God's own work or your participation and role and part in it. Sometimes we make plans, the old joke is, and when we make plans, God laughs. <clears throat> because, see, God's ways are not our ways, and I hate to tell you this, but sometimes you think you know best and you really don't. You think you know how this should turn out, and you really don't. You think you should decide what medicine to take, and this is going to be the one that's going to work. It may not be medicine A or medicine B. It may be a combination of medicine A, B, and C. But if you stop because you're mad, then you have got that by now flesh spirit, and you have already exhausted yourself because you've been wearing your mind instead of trusting the mind of God. Help me, somebody. And if I could only get to the place where I trust the mind of God, then I would be able to fight the fight I need to fight, and that is the good fight of faith. What you talking about, Reverend? Well, let me help somebody in here. I do believe that there's somebody who came here this morning with the divine intent from heaven to help you right now and to make you realize three things before you leave here. Number one, the first thing you need to understand about this text is that the attitude motivates decisions. The attitude motivates decisions. Preach, Watts, I'm about to. See, when my attitude is bad, my decisions are going to be bad. If I have a poor attitude based on my feelings, I know, I know there's a new thing now. You got to get in your feelings. And everybody trying to get in your feelings, you know. Woman jumped out of a moving van the other day because she's trying to be all up in her feelings. I'm going to tell you now, you be careful about being in your feelings. Because I'm going to tell you, you can mess your life up being in your feelings. I got my feelings hurt. I'm going to end my feelings today. Well, you better feel your way back to the altar and pray. Your feelings don't mean nothing. You have to realize so most times when you're in your feelings, you're just in your flesh, and your flesh is telling you how you ought to feel, and your flesh will always be in competition with your spirit, and therefore since the spirit and the flesh are warring against one another, if you get in your feelings, you are feeding your flesh, and therefore you are defeating your spirit, and your spiritual life decreases as your flesh and fleshly mind increases, and you will not see the manifestation because you decided to ride it out in your feelings. Here it is, here it is, here it is. They up in their feelings. Watch this. The Bible decrees and declares, here's what the Word of God says, that they are there. They have been called out by Goliath. They have been called out. And the Bible says, verse 11 puts it this way, when Saul and all Israel heard these words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. Look at somebody that said, neighbor, be careful about being scared. Oh. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I just, okay, okay, what? Listen, verse 24 does it this way. 
and all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were dreadfully afraid. Watch this now. You have to realize that when your attitude is there, it'll motivate your decision. And the decision to flee from him, the decision to stay away from him was made because they had allowed themselves to walk in the spirit of fear and to have an attitude of fear and have an attitude that was dreadful so they could not ever trust God in their faith. You have to realize it's difficult to walk in fear and faith at the same time. Yeah, you can be a little anxious. You can be a little unnerved by the situation but you have to allow your faith to overwhelm your fear and you've got to be willing to trust God when you can't see anything. No, you missed that. Look at somebody now say, neighbor, you need to be willing to trust God when what you see is greater than that which you have. Ah. The enemy you're looking at appears to be greater than your own ability to handle it, but you've got to be able to realize that your attitude is going to motivate your decision-making. You're going to make decisions based on your attitude. So when, when everybody else is upset and David hears about what Goliath is doing, David's decision is, who is he? Totally different attitude about the situation. Who is he that he should defy the armies of the living God? His attitude now places him now in position to take up armaments against that which is being done around him because he has an attitude that says, this is not simply our battle. Look at somebody now. Say, neighbor, the battle's not yours. It's the Lord's. See, I done, I done lost somebody. I'm preaching to just one person. If that one person gets this word, you're going to be blessed. Realize this. I know you feel like it. You're in it by yourself. I know you feel like maybe you and your wife, you and your children, you're in this alone. I'm just talking to one person. But I need to help you understand this. This battle doesn't belong to you. And as long as you allow yourself to keep believing that this is your battle, you are going to lose emotionally and your emotions are going to take you down and you're going to want to give up. But the moment you can realize that this is not your battle, but it's the Lord's, everything shifts. Maybe that one's over here. The moment you realize that it's not your fight, everything shifts. Because if you realize that God in one makes a majority, you realize that you already win. Okay. Okay, I got, I got a hustle. I got a hustle. My, my. The, the second thing in the text I want you to get in your spirit is, it is that the anointing makes the difference. Okay. Okay. They look at him, and uh, here's what the Bible says. Now, watch this. This is interesting. The text says that David is there, and he's asking questions about what's going to happen for anybody that takes this man out. And he's just talking, and he's declaring that it don't make any sense. This man should stand against the armies of the living God. And while he's doing that, somebody sends word back to the king that there's this joke over here and he talking junk. He's over here talking junk. And listen to me. 
when the king looks at him, now the king probably should know him, but it's been a little while since he's seen him. And he looks at him only in terms of whether or not you can fight. And he tells him, uh, little boy, this man here was born for war. And he's been fighting his whole life. Who are you to fight against him? He, he's got armor. He's got, a, he's got a helmet. He's got a shield. He's got a sword. His, his, his shield is so heavy, he's got an armor bearer to carry it for him. Who are you to fight against him? And, and, and David looks at him and says, let me just break it down to you real quick, right fast in a hurry. Let me break it down to you. I am the one who has seen God's favor in my life. Okay. I just need to talk to somebody who can point to at least one time in your life where you've seen God's favor. You don't know how he worked it out, but he did. You don't know how he fixed it, but he did. You don't know how he made a way, but he did. And when you look back over your life, you think things over, you can truly say that the Lord has made a way. Look at somebody, say, neighbor, I got a testimony. I got a testimony. Here he is, here he is. You know what God has done and what God will do. Listen, they're they looking at him, they're looking at him like, you know, man, you can't, you can't win this fight. You, there's nothing you could do, boy. You over your league. You batting out your class. You, you over your realm. You can't handle this. And David looks back at him as if to say, mister, you just don't know. It's not what's on the outside, but what's on the inside. You've got to realize that greater... Tell somebody, say, neighbor. neighbor. Them there shouting words. <laughs> Greater is he that is within me than he that is within the world. Greater! I know I got to wrap this up. <clears throat> Oil's been poured on his head. The anointing has rested upon his life. He's got the anointing on him. There's an anointing on his life. Look at somebody say, neighbor, I don't know about you, but there's an anointing over my life. I am where I am. I am what I am because of the anointing over my life. Okay, I got, I, got, I got to get out of here. I got to get out of here. My time is up, but I got, to, I got one last thing. I got to get out of here. I got to do this. I got to do this. Here, here it is. Here it is. I want to tell you that action manifests the deliverance. The action 
manifest the deliverance. I don't have time to finish this one, so this is where I'm coming back to. So let me just, I just want to rock you for two moments for, with this part right here. Because, see, you think I'm talking about the fight with Goliath. You think I'm talking about the smooth stone. I ain't talking about that. You too far ahead. Come back here. When he finally decides that David can fight, Saul then decides that David needs to be dressed like a normal warrior. So Saul puts on David Saul's armor, including a helmet on his head, a heavy mail on his chest. And David takes on the armor and takes two steps and he says, wait a minute, I've never used these. This doesn't work for me. This doesn't fit me. Okay, let me, let me just, I got one other piece of this, y'all gotta get this. And by the way, he didn't say it, but I'm sure he thought it. If this was going to make the difference, why didn't you put it on? If it was in the garment, why didn't you put it on? If you were Iron Man, you'd have put on your Iron Man suit and started flying, but it didn't work for you because you ain't Iron Man, Batman, or Ant-Man. The suit doesn't do anything for you. So what you got to know is it ain't in the suit. It's in what's inside of me. My next action is to take it off. Look at somebody say, neighbor, there's some things you need to take off before you make your next move. Come on, give God a praise. Come on, give God a praise. 